We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, hour number two of the show here on this Friday morning. Let's uh, let's set the scene here, Wolf, for the Phoenix okay. Suns. Okay, let's see. Uh, the head coach just got fined $20,000. All is well. Uh, the players are frustrated. They've lost five of six. Yeah. If they don't start winning, they're going to start actually dropping significantly in the standings. Um, Kevin Durant still hasn't played a home game, and Mikel Bridges has 464 points now for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> You're being facetious on that, no, right? No, 460. No, I actually did so the math. Good. Four, because he had another 32 last that's night. That's so good. I know, Mikel Bridges. Way to go, Mikel. Way to get off right there. Um, so everything's going great around everything's here. Everything's going fine for the Phoenix Suns. All is well, right? <laughs> Define well. I, you know, it's it's funny because anyone that has listened to me, you know how I feel about must-win games that aren't must-win games. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that right there. This exactly. This feels. I know that it feels like this is a man. This is a must-win game. They gotta beat Sacramento. This is a must-win. Is it a must-win? No, it isn't. It isn't a must-win game. It's not. In the immortal words of Marv Levy, World War II was a must win. Well, <laughs> right? I guess he's not okay. wrong there. Right. Uh, this is not a must win. Um, this is an important game for the Phoenix Suns. We're all willing to say that, base earnings. But until they play a game where they face elimination from the playoffs or the postseason, it's not a must win. It's not it a isn't. it's not a must win, but they have two games coming up this weekend now. You've got Sacramento tonight and you've got Philadelphia tomorrow. And you have to win one of those games. <laughs> I mean you just you need to win a game. It, it it it's you need to win a game just to win a game. I don't care who the opponent is. But now you're playing teams that are playoff quality teams. Sure. And I, I mean, I've <laughs> been talking about the standings, and I know that, that some people are like, oh, you know, but they're still in fourth, and that's true. But now they're tied for fourth, and they're one game up on Golden State for sixth. If you keep losing, you're going to drop into the play-in tournament. Yeah, and I know, and, and that's what I'm talking about. The Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant changes everything. We all know that. The Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, they might actually get into the play-in tournament. But just because they get into the playing tournament doesn't mean they're done as long as they got Kevin Durant. Yeah. See, that? that's what I'm saying, a must-win situation. I know it feels like it. They, they've stopped the losing. The, the Suns were, man, you know, we all expected so much out of the Phoenix Suns this year. And then, especially when they acquired KD, we all expected it. And we've been talking about it forever, of course. The fact that he's played three games, he has not played a home game six weeks, over six weeks now, has not played a home game. We all we all understand how frustrated we are. But you have to say it the way that it is. And the way that it is right now, it's not a must win. It isn't. No, I don't until think it's it a must win at all. Must win. But I, but I think you just one win. I think would do a lot for this team. Like let's just say they went out and won tonight. You've already had James Jones say, "Okay, we're not we're not doing this. With, we're not talking about officiating anymore. It's time to move on." You just had Monty Williams get fined twenty thousand dollars this morning. So I'm guessing he's not going to want to talk about officiating anymore. Now would be a good time to just win a game 
and shift the focus back onto winning and getting ready for the playoffs. You've got 10 games left counting tonight. By the time we do the show again, Wolf, they're going to be down to eight games left. And they have games in four of the next six days, too. Like, you've got Sacramento tonight, Philadelphia Saturday, Utah Monday, Minnesota Wednesday. And that Minnesota game is suddenly potentially very pivotal because that's the seven seed right now. So... If you if you lose tonight, it's like man, this is just continuing, and you're one and six in your last seven, and you can't beat a playoff team. If you win tonight, it's really easy to kind of just look at the last five six games and be like, all right, every team has that, yeah. you know, and just kind of brush it aside. It's amazing what one win could do for this team. No, it's not a must win. They're still going to be in the play in at least, <laughs> but you would like to avoid that. You would like to avoid that. There's no denying that. I, I fully understand that. What's interesting to me is it's the, the Suns came out, and although Kevin Durant possibly could have played were it a playoff game, according to James Jones, could have played were it a playoff game, even though it would be hurting them, they're sticking to this three-week reevaluation deal. We're going to give them three. Yeah, I, to me, that's fascinating. Why? Why are they? Why were they so dead set on that three weeks? Yeah, because why? When it happens, you think, okay, as long as they keep winning, yeah, they buy themselves some time. Yes, they haven't been winning. They haven't been winning, and yet you haven't heard any type no. of change in rhetoric coming out of the Phoenix Suns. No, and now we're six days away, so they're gonna they're gonna stick with it. James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday said, "Yeah, the figuring out the rotation is going to be tough until Kevin Durant gets back, and that's not going to leave them much time. It's going to be an ongoing challenge until we get Kevin back. Uh, you're still talking about trying to plug guys into a role." Um, to fill a hole um, that Kevin will fill for 36 to 38 minutes a night. And and so it's, it's a balancing act that we'll continue to, to you know, uh, explore and, and manage. But it's, it's, it's that time of the year where, you know, every game counts and, and rotations matter a lot. And uh, with a, a team that's, like I say, newly constructed, um, our our growing pains are, are visible, but you know we'll we'll, we'll continue to to, to 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 mow through it. And like I said, as we get whole, it'll start to settle, and, and hopefully we'll start playing our best basketball sometime in the next few games. This is not traditionally the way you do it, Wolf. I'm not <laughs> saying it can't be done, but you you now have a team. I mean, even the the super team concept that's usually done in the off season. It's not not done mid season. Yeah. So to do that, you've you've dramatically changed your roster. Uh, you're you're losing at the time of year when you want to be ramping up and winning, and you basically have a team that's trying to figure out how to change the way it plays so it doesn't give up 46 free right. throws a night. Right, exactly. And yet, what he just said right there is, this is what I heard James Jones just say. We're going to be okay. We got Kevin Durant. We're going to be okay. Nobody, nobody panic. Nobody hit the panic button. We're going to be okay. We got Kevin Durant when he comes back. And we don't think he's going to need an awful lot of time to ramp up. Well, that that is true. But you also must believe, he also must believe, the Suns around him aren't going to have a hard time adjusting to Kevin Durant when he comes back. Yeah, it, he, that's probably I, fair. I listen to him right there. And again, there's no. It, it feels like there's no urgency from the Suns to get Kevin Durant back into the lineup, even though they're struggling to win. Well, in theory, I mean, if he gets reevaluated in three weeks, which would be this upcoming Thursday, and he's good to go, then he will miss four more games, and that's it. He'll miss the two tonight, tomorrow, and then he'll miss Monday and Wednesday. I mean, the, 
The worst case scenario for the Suns is you're getting Kevin Durant back right as the playoffs start and you're in the play in. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, everybody figure out where you, okay, everybody, you know where you fit? Okay, we're out. Because we had a best of one. Like, you don't want to do that. But if you can avoid that in any way, shape, or form where you have a best of seven series or you get Kevin Durant back a few days before that, then, yeah, you suddenly become one of the most dangerous teams in the league. That's just that's such a 180 from what it feels like they are right now. And once again, Luke, too, I want to I want to make it very, very clear why I say this. I wouldn't be questioning the Suns in any way, shape, or form at all on the ankle sprain and it taking three weeks and we'll reevaluate him after three weeks. I wouldn't have done that had he stayed down on the ground, number one. Had he stayed down and not finished his his workout. And number two, if James Jones didn't say, yeah, you know what, um, he, he could have gone if it was a playoff game. <laughs> Those are the things that have got me like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, that Why? actually made me feel better. But you're right. Now it's like, okay, we're getting close to this actually just being a playoff game. Uh, coming up next, I'll tell you, there's one side out there that has the Cardinals actually getting a pretty decent return for DeAndre Hopkins. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show here on this Friday morning. It is Wolf and Luke. Wolf, have you recovered from the BPI yet? Uh, no. no. Okay. Stinking BPI. Just wanted to make sure I bring that up consistently. How do you? How do you have? The Tennessee Vols, ladies and gentlemen, going to the Final Four when they can't shoot. Maybe maybe this BPI. is why you're the only one that had them in the Final Four yesterday. <laughs> I know, and it looks so good, didn't it? It did. Somebody's got to come out of that region. Um, I think. <laughs> That's right. This is, uh, I'm going to start here. This is Jeff Darlington yesterday. Because we've heard, oh yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to Carolina, according to Bill Barnwell. Or, oh, he's going to Baltimore. Or, he's going to New England. Jeff Darlington says, how about the one that probably just is the simplest solution? To me, this reeks of uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are now in an in interesting position that the Patriots were in with Tom Brady when, for instance, they acquired Randy Moss. They can play the market and look for guys who they're going to fall in line when they get there because of Patrick Mahomes. Not that Hopkins is a guy who would fall out of line, but they might either pay, play for less. They might just be willing to be more of a company man. Again, not about Hopkins. In general, the landscape of the wide receiver position to play with Mahomes. That is a very valuable resource if you're the Chiefs. And I think that they're going to continue to take advantage of it, which they did last year with a lot of these guys. You know, And I think that, that that could, again, be the case this year. And that's why I feel like Hopkins flying under the radar a little bit, maybe Maybe restructure somehow. Maybe they do the trade. I just, it feels like ripe for the Chiefs picking. Wow, there it is once again. The Kansas City Chiefs rearing its nasty head in terms of the DeAndre Hopkins acquisition. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, those two teams, even the Patriots. I'm going to continue to throw the Patriots and the possibility of the New England Patriots, even though they got Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to still throw that into That is my power triangle in regard to DeAndre Hopkins and who might actually want to acquire what, DeAndre Chiefs, Chiefs, Bills, Patriots? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, you know what he said right there? 
the advantage the Chiefs have is maybe they can pay a little bit less, especially to a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who doesn't have a ring. He's done everything you can in this league except win a ring. I mean, he's been one of the best receivers in football for a decade. So maybe he would take less or, you know, the company man line that he had right there. I mean, if you're concerned about DeAndre Hopkins practice habits, even though they work really well for him, you're more concerned about how maybe it will impact the rest of the team. Well, that's going to impact the rest of the team more if you're the Cardinals and you're trying to build a young team. And the Chiefs, First of all, probably don't care if he practices on Wednesday. But if they really needed him to, maybe he would because it's Patrick Mahomes throwing him the football. It'd be so fascinating to me to watch that, to see what happens right there. Is it DeAndre Hopkins who bends the knee? Or would it be Andy Reid in the Kansas City Chiefs that bends the knee and says, you know what, our culture is so strong, we can withstand this. I love that. Because the comparison of what he said was Randy Moss. That's exactly right. Bill Belichick had the Belichick army inside that locker room at that point in time. The culture was so strong in the New England Patriots. And they went out and got Randy Moss. And Bill Belichick, I believe, thought that culture inside the locker room was strong enough to withstand Randy Moss and the personality that Randy Moss was. I think the same thing applies to DeAndre Hopkins and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a scary thought because that Patriots team that went undefeated and lost in the Super Bowl courtesy of David Tyree is one of the best teams I've ever seen. Yes. I mean, obviously, they were undefeated and they had, you know, you, you win a certain way when you have Bill Belichick as your coach, but then you just add Randy Moss. I mean, the Chiefs don't need DeAndre Hopkins. They probably need a receiver right now if they yes. want to win the Super Bowl. They don't need DeAndre Hopkins, but if they got DeAndre Hopkins, oh I, just, I, don't, I don't know how you would stop them. Now, the other team, another team from your triangle, and, and the other team that's been brought up a lot that probably would benefit from getting DeAndre Hopkins not only because of what he does for them on the field, you keep him away from the Chiefs, would be the Buffalo Bills. And there's a story up on Clutch Points, and I'm just going to read you one line from it, okay? Well, if it's one sentence. Okay. The perfect Bills trade for DeAndre Hopkins is Ed Oliver and a second round pick to Arizona. Sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sold. I'll take that right there, okay? You're giving me a second round pick, which a month ago I was like, no way. Now I'll take it over pick 93 in the draft. Buffalo's second round pick is the 59th pick in the draft. Yeah. And 59. I get a player that's going to play at a position I need? Yeah, Ed Oliver right now, he's making $10.75 million, I believe. $10.75 yeah. million. Hey, This is a guy that a lot of people thought... Um, was going to develop into a dominant three technique. This was a guy that a lot of people thought, oh my goodness, this guy is Aaron Donald. I remember watching him in college, and there was talk that he was going to be the first pick in the draft that year for a while. He ended up going ninth in 2019, but yeah, I remember that. He's very, very similar structurally to Aaron Donald, and very quick as well. A guy that is undersized, but a guy that everybody thought was going to be a massive penetrator in the national Football League, and he has not actually lived up to that right now. It doesn't mean he's with, he's without talent. He's loaded with talent. It doesn't mean he hasn't been okay. 
He is. He has been okay. It means to me he needs a change of scenery. And if you're telling me that is what the Arizona Cardinals were going to get, that is the player that we're going to get with a second round pick that is number 59, I'd take that and run. Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't think this is going to happen, but we figured it's worth at least bringing up a, an idea that's been floated out there that as a Cardinals fan you wouldn't hate. I mean, that's, that's, you take that trade. I'd be happy with that trade. Ed Oliver, to your point, has not played like a top 10 pick yet. Uh, but part of, there's a couple things to what you said about his salary. One, I don't know that the Cardinals would pay it. And I, I, I don't know totally what they're doing yet right now. But the other part of that is Buffalo probably needs to move salary if they're going to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. So the idea that Buffalo would give up somebody like Ed Oliver right. isn't that ridiculous. Right. Because they're going to have to if they brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and you know, again, you're seeing the Arizona Cardinals sign these one-year deals. That basically is what it is. It's kind of a one-year deal. Okay, we're going to have to pay for it. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll go ahead and, and we'll we'll see if maybe this is going to be lightning in a bottle with Ed Oliver. And maybe the change of scenery. I cannot tell you. I think we've all seen this, right? Mm-hmm. How many times a change of scenery does help a person? Uh, I, I think that that's legit. I think it's legit with anybody driving around right now. You can say to yourself, you know what? I just needed a, a different context. Yeah. And a lot of people become bored with their context and the circumstances and variables being what they are inside a paradigm. And it becomes routine, and some people don't do well with that. I'm wondering if that's Ed Oliver maybe he needs a change of scenery. This is legitimately the first potential DeAndre Hopkins trade. And, and again, this is not like somebody reporting that this is close to happen. It's not that. It's just an idea. But I've also heard this idea floated from a lot of Buffalo fans of, yeah, we're going to have to move Ed Oliver if we're going to bring in somebody. But they obviously want Hopkins more. They would have a good defense. Oliver hasn't lived up to expectations. And I think they know pretty well in Buffalo if they got DeAndre Hopkins, they'd be the, I don't want to say heavy Super Bowl favorites, but yeah. they'd be the Super Bowl favorites if they added him to that offense. I, this is the first one, like I said, that, that if this trade happened today, I would be like, all right, I'm excited about this. Ed Oliver, to me, is more <laughs> upside than LJ Collier. Uh, he's He would actually be a guy you're bringing in that maybe this works out, and he's somebody that's on your team for a while. But like yeah. you said, you, you take a wait-and-see approach for a year, and you're giving me a second-round pick? Because just in my mind, I think the Cardinals have already decided Hopkins isn't back next year. Sure. Here's the best thing about this. I agree with you on the DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I've I've gone out on, on a limb. <laughs> And I've gone on the record as saying, there's no doubt DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Now, that's me. Nobody's told me that. But just looking at it right now, I don't think that's going to shock anybody. What I do love about this is the fact that you tell me the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, those two teams, will be the teams squaring off for the services of DeAndre Hopkins. There's a lot at stake there for the winner, isn't there? There's a lot at stake. I do like that. And I like that because, you know, we, we've thought that maybe there's a, a chance the Arizona Cardinals might have to eat some of DeAndre Hopkins' salary. Guess what? Maybe not. With those two teams, if you tell me those are the teams that are the most interested in DeAndre Hopkins, and it makes perfect sense that those two teams would be, oh, that's beautiful for the Cardinals. 
Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we'll preview the Suns-Kings matchup tonight with Phoenix Suns broadcaster for Bally Sports, Kevin Ray. It's game day with K-Ray next on Wolf & Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cash it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Suns, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. That is game day with K Ray, Kevin Ray of Valley Sports, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now because the Suns actually have two games, uh, not not at the same time. Well, it kind of feels like it. Play Sacramento tonight and then Philadelphia tomorrow. K Ray, what's going on? Uh, happy Friday to you, boys. Yeah, you too. you too, K. Uh, all right, Kay, let's just start here. We were having this discussion earlier. I know it sounds like the most simple question to ask, but I don't know how simple the answer is. How much would just winning a basketball game do for the mental makeup of this Suns team right now? Uh, well, <laughs> I think I think a pretty fair amount, uh, and I'm not sure if it would do more for them or for the fan base. <laughs> Clearly, you know, walking on eggshells, uh, reaching for sharp objects, <laughs> and so it would it would go a long way in pacifying some uh, some very well some some very uh, hurt feelings at the moment. Talk a little bit about tonight and how big you think this game is tonight for the Phoenix Suns. Well, you know, it's it's big for you know the obvious reason wolf you you need to win uh you need to win in order to uh, try and keep yourself out of that dreaded playing situation and it's you know it it's real. Um and you know when in a way of like you know, like getting a quality win. Um, and look, I mean, no, nobody would nobody would certainly turn their back on on ugly win. But it's like getting back to to some of the thing, the staples, if you will, uh, the foundational pieces of this team, and and looking like the team that we have seen in the past. And look, I understand what is you know what is sitting at home in Phoenix and. You know, in workout clothes, uh, being Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, that that is a lot of points. That's a lot of rebounds. That's a lot of playmaking uh, that is currently over in Phoenix rehabbing. But that being said, you know, every team experiences it, and it's just you know it's going to require other guys to step up. And and these are the situations that you know, as a coaching staff, you look at and say, okay, who is going to step up? And as a player, you have to. Embrace these opportunities, saying, "Man, I'm I got a chance to get another 10, 12 minutes tonight, so I have to help help make a difference. Not all myself, but I have to help be a part of, you know, the turnaround." But you're not going to call it a must win, right, Kay? And look, I'm not, I'm not going to call it a must win because. You got another game tomorrow night. You're going to call that a must win? I mean, <laughs> you you could qualify it however you want to. But the bottom line is this. You've got to find a way to execute 
and in doing so, find a way to nail down a victory. Um, and if it's a, a victory by 10 or if you can you know, somehow muster a win in the clutch, which has been a struggle uh, for this yeah. team this season. Shout out to Kellen Olsen, who did a great uh, piece there on, uh, on Arizona Sports, you know, uh, I think a couple of days ago, talking about you know, what, a, what a contrast it was from a year ago, best team in the clutch, to their struggles here this season. Uh, you said muster a win in there, so I think we'll edit that down so it sounds like you said must win. <laughs> Please do so. <laughs> We've got a team behind the glass working on that. Uh, Kevin Ray, Bally Sports, joining us right now. Kay, um, do you have any sort of sense or feeling that what happened in that Lakers game was, was maybe a breaking point or a turning point for the Suns? Because the last time we talked to you was going into that game, and officiating was already a, 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 you know, a, a hot topic. And then for what happened on Wednesday night to happen, and the Suns to lose, and they—I made this comment to Wolf. They almost sounded like they were eliminated from the playoffs after the game. How how upset they were, and Monty Williams just got fined twenty thousand dollars, and James Jones says it's time to move on. Do you do you think we are starting to turn a corner away from that? Hopefully. You know, I, I hope so. And look, I'll say a couple of things, and we've had discussions here on the road trip. There is no denying that this team, the Suns team, is not playing the kind of defense that they need to. And by, and by that, I mean, I think they're playing hard, but they're not playing smart. And Monty talked about it before the game the other night. You know, he said, we've got to play with our hands back, you know, and not hands extended. We have to play with our hands up, hands high. Um, and so they, they have been fouling at a greater rate than we've seen early in the season. But the the frustration, at least for me, and I think a lot of people, is that the calls that aren't coming for them on the other end of the floor. I think they would be the first to tell you, yes, we have to do a better job of defending, moving our feet, communicating, and you know playing, playing on the ball without reaching. But... What frustrates them, and I think all of us, is when you see Devin Booker driving to the basket and it was clear that his hand was hit twice, you know, it came off the ball and an official is standing right there and then you've got another one who's on the opposite side who could clearly see it. And they say it, he just lost the ball. Uh, he takes a shot to the forehead that eventually oh, yes. is called a an offensive <laughs> foul. And what really frustrates you in that situation is now you have to use your challenge in order to get what looked to be a very obvious defensive foul call. You have to use your challenge in order to save that possession. Well, now you've lost your challenge mm. in a game that you might clearly need in the last four minutes. So that's what I think Monty is talking about as much as the other end, the 46 free throws for the Lakers. Absolutely ridiculous. But the, the Suns would like some kind of you know equitable amount of calls on the offensive end. Yes, they're a jump-shooting team, but you can't tell me that Devin Booker doesn't drive to the basket. I can't remember if I shared this with you guys the other day, but he is 60th. He is ranked 60th in the league in drives and fouls called on drive to the basket. Wow. Now you tell me, he's a three-time All-Star, first-team All-NBA last year. Austin Reeves, a second-year player, undrafted in the last 10 games. I don't know what the number is, but it is a significant number of more free-throw attempts per game than Devin Booker. So that is just it. unbelievable. Just unbelievable right there. But no DeAndre Ayton tonight. Um, who do you think is going to have to step up and have a big game in order to get that W? 
Well, I think the you know the the obvious is is the starters. But you look back to that last meeting between these two clubs, guys, and and it was the it was the bench um, which proved to be the undoing. The Sacramento bench, which scored sixty five points, they shot sixty percent from the field, sixty nearly sixty percent from beyond the arc, and the the Suns bench was you know uh, MIA uh, for the most part. Now the good news is we've got Landry Shamit back, and Landry has really found a nice groove quickly since returning. He's also given them, you know, that defensive uh, bounce and, and length off the bench. But, you know, we we need campaign to be campaign. And we've seen a couple flashes over the last few games. But, you know, this team in the last 10 games has got to find some consistency off the bench so that you're not stressing Devin Booker, uh, you know, my my fear and concern is how hard and how many minutes and taxing minutes Devin Booker is playing. You know, I had this conversation last night. I said it just feels like one of those seasons where it's one step forward and two steps back that, you know, you don't want this guy's tank to be on E because he's trying to lift and carry this team so much in the absence of uh, KD and D.A., yeah, it's a great point. That's the exact opposite of what their goal was at the start of the year. K-Ray, great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again next Thank week. Thank you, K. Hi, boys. Have a great weekend. Okay, man, you too. too. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. That last thing he said, Wolf, I mean, the, the plan at the start of the year was to minimize the wear and tear on Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and right now they're the guys out there carrying all of the load. <laughs> it's not going the way it was supposed to exactly. go. Exactly, yeah. The entire season has not gone as planned, including... Kevin Durant and the acquisition thereof. A legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620 and submit a thank you Al video message. We may even play it on the air if it's great. Just text Al to 620-620. When we come back, Rick's got an early edition of Wolf and Down Your Lunch for you. It's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does it smell good? Wolfen, down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's a little early. It's not noon. If you're, like, racing back to work and your lunch hour ends at noon or something, we're doing this a little bit early because uh, Dave Pash is going to join us next segment. But it is Wolfing Down Your Lunch, and Rick is here with today's top stories. Rick? It's for those people that get up at, like, 4 in the morning. This is their lunchtime. So, Jarrett Carlin. <laughs> this is his, like, third lunch. Yeah, exactly. His third lunch. All right. Well, the NBA has fined Monty Williams $20,000 after the Suns head coach said this on Wednesday after the team lost to the Lakers. I'm, I'm tired of talking about free throws. Our guys have to do their job. We, we understand that. But that that's a huge disparity. 46 free throws. And I'll say it again, 46 to 20. That's it. That's all I got to say. What do you guys make of Monty taking a fine for his guys? I, d- I tell you what, you framing it like that, saying the fine and then playing that cut, I don't really know why he got fined. Exactly. I mean, all he did was state facts right there. He, <laughs> there's some earlier stuff. It's a minute twenty one though. Yeah, but 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 just in general, like, and I, I do think some of this was maybe building because it had been talked about after a lot of Suns games. But that part right there, 
Look, I don't want Devin Booker to get fined. Devin Booker said a lot worse when he said we see the agenda they're pushing. That's a lot different than Monty Williams saying the free throws were 46 to 20. I know that sounds ridiculous, NBA, but guess what? The free throws were 46 to 20. Yeah. If that sounds ridiculous, that's on your officials, not Monty Williams. Yeah, the only thing I would add is I'm waiting for Monty Williams to get ejected from a game as well. Might happen this weekend. The waving of the arms right now. And I don't know if that would necessarily be a bad thing. Again, um, you, you can be classy about it, Monty. You don't have to be profane about it at all. But you can be indignant. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And I think, too, some of the players might not really mind seeing Monty indignant. Here, I've got the game where he's going to get ejected, okay? Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, write it down right good. now. April 7th in L.A. against the Lakers. Oh, wow. Well, wow, that's kind that's of like a long way away, though. Two weeks it? from now. Yeah, but I just you maybe. Know what I'm going to say? Not tonight. Tomorrow. Tomorrow night. He may get ejected Tomorrow twice. Night. But I just think he will get ejected in L.A. against the Lakers because it's not the playoffs, <laughs> but it's right before the playoffs. And it'll probably be around Austin Reeves' like 25th free throw of the night because he is the greatest player in the history of basketball, apparently, and needs all that respect. So I'll put me down for April 7th for the money ejection. Okay, put me down, Basinonians, for tomorrow night. Okay, March 25th, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you know Joel Embiid's going to get away oh, with some stuff. I, you know it. Wolf, I have a question for you specifically. Base, you know, at, you were a former professional, or you are a performer, a former professional <laughs> athlete. If you were a former, that means you are a professional. Yes, athlete. yes. You, you are a you are a, prof- a, a former professional. Always a wedge buster. Yes, correct. Do professional athletes respond to head coaches getting ejected? Like, I can see it in the college game, but in, in the pro game? Well, yeah. You know what? You still want to know your your coach um, has got your back. There's no doubt about that. I, I think most players will respect a coach maybe just a little bit more knowing that, yeah, he might actually get ejected from a game. You don't see it a lot. I understand that in the NBA. But I still think think it can have an impact to see a coach who never goes off, never loses his mind, never loses control, get ejected from a game. Because the contrast is clear to every player inside that locker room and on that bench for the Phoenix Suns. This is serious. Go out and play like it. All right. The NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament resumed last night with four Sweet 16 games. You had Gonzaga taking down UCLA, Kansas State taking down Michigan State, FAU taking down Tennessee, and UConn (laughs) taking down Arkansas. And then you got four more Sweet 16 games today. San Diego State taking on Alabama at 3.30, Miami Houston at 4.15, Cinderella Story Princeton, the 15 seed, taking Taking on Creighton at six, and Xavier taking on Texas at six forty-five. Which game stuck out to you guys last night, and which one are you all looking forward to the most tonight? Uh, last, the, the one I wanted to watch last night was UCLA Gonzaga, and maybe it wasn't the best if you want to throw Michigan State K State in there, but I, I, I was not disappointed in the uh, UCLA Gonzaga game at all tonight. I'm going to go Xavier Texas. Um, that's I don't have a whole lot of rooting interest in any of these games, but I wouldn't mind seeing. Sean Miller lose, and uh, and those are two really good teams. It's so amazing. 
It was the Tennessee game, of course, the FAU Tennessee game that had my attention. You gotta be kidding me! I. The volunteers that are hands, especially in the first half, it was all over the place. They were so good defensively. They played great defense. And, and that's what makes them special. But then all of a sudden in the second half, they could not shoot. It was <laughs> the contrast. And it wasn't like they were lighting it up in the first half either. They were not. But the contrast, it flipped. They played so well defensively in the first half and not so much in the second half. And then they played, oh, not even okay, but better in the first half offensively. And then the second half, what are you doing? They could not even shoot. I'm looking forward to Xavier, Texas today. Sean Miller will be sweating a lot. He probably already is. Yeah, he probably he's probably on his third shirt of the day. He is. <laughs> you think he just peels them away and there's another one? Yeah. <laughs> like those guys that, that throw out the shirts at the games where they just keep ripping shirts off and throwing them into the crowd. All right, and some less fun college basketball talk here. Sticking with college hoops. ASU guard DJ Horn has reportedly entered the transfer portal. He joins teammates Enoch Boachi and, Jun- and Jemiah Neal, who have also reportedly entered the portal. What do you guys make of these three players already entering the portal less than a week after the team lost in a tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent, it's just the state of college sports. Um, the DJ Horn one, though, that one that one hurts because he had a, a huge role on this team. Not like the other guys didn't have roles that, that you know could have expanded too. But DJ Horn in particular, you know how it is when you watch a team, you just kind of like trust certain players when they like when DJ Horn fires up a shot, I trust him to make it. Yeah, and that's that hurts. As far as reading behind the uh, you know, and his field goal percentage wasn't even great; it was thirty-seven percent this season. As far as reading into it. Um, I don't think it's like an anti-Bobby Hurley thing. Maybe one of them just, you know, you've talked about that coaching style before it can wear on you. But I, I really just think it's a it's college sports in 2023. Guys, just leave it after each year. There's so many reasons why you'd leave a program now in college athletics. There's so many reasons why. Right down to, oh, you know what? I had a great season and somebody's going to pay me out there. <laughs> That's happening all the time. Or I don't like you, so I'm going to leave. Or I don't like the fact you actually had the unmitigated temerity, Coach, to yell at me. I'm out here trying. So I'm going to leave. I, 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 I can't stand the state of college athletics right now. It's disgusting to me. It is. They were still in the tournament a week ago at this time. And now they've lost how many players? Three. That's uh, I don't like you and I'm going to leave line needs to be the end of the show today. I'm just saying it, it is so frustrating to me. What if you were, I don't know, what if you were somebody that was donating to the program? What if you're an alum and you're donating big money to the program? Well, how are you feeling about this? See, this is the danger zone right now for college athletics. It just, it's bad all the way around. And I said it was going to be bad all the way around. And guess what? It is. All right. And last one for you guys. 
What do you guys? Uh, Go over to the Arizona Sports poll or the Sanderson Ford poll question up now at ArizonaSports.com. Who should the number five starting spot in the rotation for the D-backs be? Dre Dre Jameson or Ryan Nelson? Uh, I'm going to lean Dre Jameson, yeah. Um, You know, it it might be a little bit of a roller coaster at at the start. And we talked to Amiel Sade earlier this week, and he said that that fifth spot might might be a rotation there for a little bit. Not a rotation, but we may see a few guys work in there over the course of the first month or two of the season. But I, I like I like Dre Jamison's attitude to step in and be yeah. a starter. And let's let's see where that goes. I'd love to give him the opportunity to go out there and show you that he's not your number five starter. That's what I'd like to see. Not only because I think he's got some upside, he certainly has got a great fastball, a guy that can generate a lot of velocity for weighing only 165 pounds. We stood next to him. It was amazing mm-hmm. to see him. And he's got that chip on his shoulder. He said it. What did he yes. say? He, had, he said he had like small man complex. Yes, exactly. So I would love to see him get the opportunity to do that. And I also like the fact that he's got a little resiliency in him and he showed it in his last spring training start. Yeah, I just I, I like the way he approaches the game. And so basically what you said, Wolf, if you give him that fifth spot, I want to see how he responds. All right, I will go for Dre Jamison. Now they both do have ERAs north of seven in yeah. spring training. I will vote for Dre Jamison, though. 72% of the audience says Dre Jameson, oh. 28% Ryan Nelson. All right, there you go. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Rick. When we come back, we'll talk Cardinals, we'll talk uh, tournament, we'll talk Sunday. We can talk anything we want because Dave Pash is joining us. Oh, yeah. Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.